Well, again, good morning, everybody. My name is Pastor Zach. I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here at Recovery House of Worship. It's a joy, a joy to gather together. Um, the power of the gathered space. Um, because we're reminded, again, I, I don't know how you feel about all this stuff. Um, I was reading this morning uh, in the paper and, um, ha- you know, kids being back in school. Two weeks now, right? Two weeks back in school. How y'all feel? All right? <laughs> And that's exactly what the paper was saying, right? Because there's a mix, right? There's a mix of how kids are feeling being back in school. There's a sense in which, like, there's uncertainty, right? And there's fear and there's worry. Like, is this going to last? Am I going to get sick? Is this going to work out? Like, these things feel uncomfortable. And yet, in the midst of that, there's the joy, right? Because I haven't seen my friends in, like, 18 months, I haven't been able to, like, see their faces and hang out with them and, like, have those moments, those, those beautiful impromptu moments during lunchtime or after school, you know. But it's the reminder that God is working in the midst of those things. He's teaching us in the midst of those things, that he knows our struggles, he knows our joys and concerns, and it's a joy for us to gather together because in those things we know I'm not alone in that fear. I'm not alone in that fear. But I'm also reminded that it's good to see your face. It's good to see your face. It's good to worship together, right? I spend time alone sometimes, you know, with Spotify, music on, singing out loud and stuff. But there's, there's something different when we hear voices in a room together singing songs to Jesus. There's just something different about it. Jesus tells us there's power in that. So as I've been thinking about, as again, I, I, I think I've reminded before about this, but as, as pastors, as we move into, now we're going to start a series again in the fall, but as we've been thinking about where we are as a church, what we need to hear as a church, what, what's the, what are the things that we need to press into and learn about. So I'm always listening to, participating in, so I can get a sense of like what does God want to speak into our church and what does he need to just remind us of and teach us about. And again, first of all, it's always what is he teaching me? If I'm not the first recipient of this truth, then I'm not doing you a service because this has to first infect me. Yes, I have to believe it and put it into practice myself. And so as I thought about this, I wanted to remind you just, uh, some of you have had these conversations with, so this is review, but just to remind you. When I came to this church to functionally be on staff, to, to help with the initiatives of what was happening in the church, I basically had thought that I initially, that I was coming here to add value and to support and to encourage the work that was happening here. That, that was the way I had framed and thought about what I was going to be doing here. And that's part of it. That's been part of it. But I have been reminded over the last 10 months, 8 to 10 months of my life, of in what has been some of the most difficult moments of my life these past 8 to 10 months, that I've been in this church to receive care from God. To receive care from God. That by participating in the life of this church, that God has cared for me, for my family, for my soul. And so it's important that we understand, as we think about what's what's going on, is this this message, and we're going to be looking at this one large section of Scripture. And what I'm doing is... I'm inviting you into a conversation that I'm having with all our justice and mercy workers because it reminds us all that we're all invited into this work, okay? 
Because what we need to remember as we're participating in the life that God wants for us is that we can't do it alone. We cannot do it alone. And the one thing, the big idea that I want us to come away with today as we think about what God is inviting us into in this life called following Jesus is this. God is always going to be working on us so he can better work through us. God is always going to be working on us so he can better work through us. And what we need to recognize is that work he's doing on us requires us being connected and involved in the community of God. The work that he's doing in us cannot happen without us being connected to the life and purposes and ministry of a local church. There is no Lone Ranger Christian. It does not exist in scripture. And so recognizing we are missing out on the change that God wants to do in me. I am missing out on the change that God wants to do in me if I'm not participating in the life of the church. I am missing out on the ministry and the work that God wants to do in and through me if I'm not participating in the life of the church. And so today we're talking about the worker and the work. The worker and the work. And another practice we have is to stand as we read a scripture because what we're going to do is take a long look. And this is, again, I'm reminding you, I'm inviting you into a conversation I'm having with our justice and mercy workers at the church to recognize this invitation is for us all to join God in the work he's doing at Recovery House. So I'll be reading Romans 12, verses, the whole, the whole chapter, the whole chapter. Let's see, I'm just going to make, yeah, right. So this is from the New Living Translation. And it says this, starting in verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are all many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. And in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. For if God has given you the ability to prophesy, let him speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If it is the gift of serving others, let them serve well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if it is a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. 
When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will hurt burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. The worker and the work. Um, in the, in the training I gave on, thir- on, on Wednesday, there should be an asterisk next to the worker. So keep that parked in your mind because I want us to come back to that at the end. Okay? It's the worker and the work. Okay? But I want us to give a brief overview of the work. And then I want us to talk about the, the work that God wants to do in the worker. So the work, right? We are invited by God to participate in the life and ministry of the local church. And more broadly, we are invited by God to join him in the unveiling, in the furthering of his kingdom in this city and in the world. That is the simple invitation from God. And so for us in the local church, that means participating in the local church means coming to church on Sunday. But that's bare minimum. That's bare minimum. There is opportunities for us to be involved in the life of the church in many other facets. And this is not, again, about checking boxes. We're going to talk about this. This is about participating in the life and ministry of this church because we believe that God is working here and changing people and offering hope in the midst of the work that's happening here. It's a recognition that we are joining God in what he's doing here. So it's a recognition, the work and the worker. So we're going to see that God wants to change us. Remember, God is always working in us so he can better work through us. And how does that change take place? How does the worker become better in doing the work? Well, these three changes take place as we think about the scripture that we've just heard from this morning. These three changes. Changing our worldview, changing our place, and changing our practices. And all of this is by being changed through his work. Changed through his work. So the first, changing our worldview. This is verses 1 and 2. Simply put, this is how I see myself. How I see myself and how I see the world around me. Now again, the problem with us not participating more fully and more vibrantly in the life of the church is that we are told every day when we leave this space that I am the center of my universe. I am the center of my universe. That the world revolves around me. Okay? It's my desires, it's my practices, it's my purposes, it's my dreams, it's my goals, it's my money, it's my desires, it's my life. I will do what I want with it. But this falls against what it says in the scriptures because, again, what it tells us is that our act of worship is that we recognize that our life belongs to God. Look again at the scripture, it says... Our life is to be a living sacrifice. He wants every part of us. He wants our whole life. Meaning he is the center. I dedicate my life to him. 
to him. But again, remember, we live in a world that tells us the exact opposite. I thought about this, and it's like when some of the early Christian scientists and philosophers of the age actually discovered that the world was not the center of the universe, that the sun was the center of the universe, it so rocked people's minds and worlds because they literally thought that humans were the center of the universe. And in some ways that's true because we are the most clear reflection of God's, God's glory. But it was a stark reminder that we are not the center, that God is the center. That God is the center. And so it was, they, literally, there was these philosophers and Christian teachers in, you know, centuries ago that were thought of as crazy because they were telling people that the earth is not the center of the universe. Some of them were killed, disbanded. They were exiled because they were telling people that the earth is not the center, that the sun is the center of the solar system and everything revolves around it. Now that sounds awfully familiar, the sun, <laughs> the sun. But that's what happens when we leave this place. You are the center. You are the center. Pursue your dreams, pursue your goals, pursue your desires, put yourself in the center, your dreams, and don't let anyone get in your way. Do you be you. But God tells us, give your life to me. Every part of yourself to me. Again, look in verse 2. Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world. The behaviors and customs of this world are put yourself at the center, put your desires at the center, and live for yourself. But God tells us our worldview, our, our mind, our thinking needs to change where we learn to see that God is after us putting him at the center. You see, it says, then you will learn to know God's will. Again, very simply. What is God's will? Love God, love neighbor. It's not complicated. Love God, love neighbor. And if I put myself in the center, I can't love God and love neighbor. Because God's love is what I'm learning to extend to my neighbor, and God's love is the perfect love that he wants me to show just little glimpses of through a life that's lived increasingly for him. God's will is for me to love him and love my neighbor. But if I put myself at the center, I can't Pursue God's will in the way that he wants. So the first thing is it's how I see myself. Changing my worldview is how I see myself. The second, though, is it's not just that I put myself in the center. I only give a part of myself to God. So maybe I think, okay, well, I'm not necessarily believing the total lie that I'm putting myself in the center, but I think, well, I give myself, I give a part of myself to God, right? So again, look at the way it describes this in the text. It says, it's a holy and living sacrifice, giving all of myself to God, right? But so many of us are taught the lie or believe the lie that the way in which I worship God is I give him Sunday. I give him Sunday. Or for those of us who serve in the breakfast, I give them Monday, Tuesday, Friday, right? Or for those of us who serve in the baby ministry, it's I give you Thursday. Or if it's those of us who do the women's Bible study or warrior soldiers and men, it's I give you Thursday night. God is not saying, I'm after a piece of the pie. God is saying, I want all of the pie. All of it. And this is not in the sense that he's trying to restrict us. What he's actually trying to do is bring us to life. 
to see that I'm involved in, in all facets, all moments, all aspects of your life, that when you're cutting hair, when you're editing books, when you're, you know, what, whatever it is your job is, that's worship when you actually recognize that God is inviting you into using those talents and those gifts to be a blessing where he's put you. Worship doesn't happen just when I'm singing on Sunday, when I'm opening my Bible, when I'm praying in my room. Worship happens when I give up my seat on the subway. When I help a classmate with homework. Right? When I share my lunch, when I give an extra couple dollars to someone who needs a metro card. Whatever those moments are, because I recognize my life is not my own. I'm being invited into something larger than just my own existence in this moment. God doesn't just want a slice of my life. Sunday, check a box, I'm good. He wants all of me. All of me. So the worldview needs to change when I learn to see that God is not just after part of me. He's after everything. Everything. And that I'm not the center. So as we think about this change and this shift in my life, in my thinking... The question I have to ask myself is, where or what am I reluctant to give to God? Where or what am I reluctant to give to God? God, I'll give you my Sunday, but I won't give you my, you fill in the blank, right? I'll give you this, but I won't give you that. I'll give you this time, but I won't give you that time. I'll give you, I'm not giving you my Netflix queue, right? I'm not going to give you my, my French, some of these friendships. I'm not going to give you my, all my finances. I'm not going to, what am I not willing to give up? What am I reluctant to give up? Because here's the thing. We're going to learn about this if we come full circle. It all belongs to God anyways. He owns it all. He's entrusting it to me. And just asking me to use it wisely and carefully, thoughtfully and purposefully. My worldview needs to change. And what am I reluctant or unwilling to give to God so that he might change me? So that he might change me. Because that's the work. Giving things over to God is where the change happens. Because I am actually asking him to change my perspective about how I view those things. My life, my schedule, my finances, my friendships, my job, any of those things. He's, when we give them up to him, he's actually going to show us a better way in how I use those things. The second is a changing of place. My place. This is verses 3, three to 8. And so recognizing this, right, it's when we become part of the church and when we become followers of Jesus, the reminder is this, he gives gifts. He gives gifts and talents and abilities. You have a history and a, and, and, and a story and a testimony that God wants to use for his kingdom, for his glory to build his church. And so a couple of things that need to change about how we think about it is think of my place. See, the work of ministry is not for the few. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. Work, the work that God invites the church into is not for a few people. It's for everybody. He's given you a gift that he wants you to use 
to bless and to serve and to honor and to, 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 to reveal more of who he is wherever he's put you. Changing my place. Changing my place. And so a couple of shifts that need to happen when I think about changing my place in this perspective. Again, some of these things were touchy, right? Verse 3. I love the New Living Translation. Don't think you are better than you really are. The changing of the place is recognizing that we're all in a level playing field. There are not super Christians and then ordinary Christians. We are all brothers and sisters together working for the glory and the good of God. Super Christians are not who do the ministry and there's the rest. We all roll our sleeves up and join God in what he's trying to accomplish in and through us. We are all workers. All workers. So not, it's, it's always recognizing this, and again, secondarily related to that. In the Christian life, particularly in thinking about Christian ministry, it's this. We are always both a teacher and a learner. And it's a reminder specifically in the kind of justice, mercy work that I invite many of us into. If I am always in the position of thinking that I'm the teacher and not the learner, I'm probably hurting the people that I'm leading. I am learning from these folks. I'm receiving from them, right? If I don't think that I can learn from anybody in my life, if I think that there are people in my life that I can't learn lessons from, I'm probably not in a good place. Changing my place. Understanding that I need you. It's not just that you need me. I need you. I need you. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. There are gaps. There are, there, are, there are areas that need to change in my life. And I need the counsel and care of people around me to help see those things and those things to change. The second, though, is not just that it changes my perspective of how I see myself. It flattens the playing field. We all will learn from one another, support one another, care from one another. It's also recognizing this. You're not useless. You're useful. You're not useless, you're useful. All of us have a gift we can give and bring into this space. All of us have a gift and an ability that we can use to bless and serve others. Look again at the scriptures, the text. And again, some of these would seem like so obvious or so ordinary, right? But look at the way Paul, God through Paul, is reminding us of in this text. In verse 8, if it is encouraging, be encouraging. How many of us have been in spaces where we are at wit's end, we are at the bottom, and someone has come around us and said, you can do this. I am with you. I got you. God is with you. He is for you. He's not done. He's working. Those words you might think are obvious, right? But those words have kept people from the brink of disaster. The brink of disaster. We have been there. Many of us have been in those places like, I love you too much for you to keep going in this direction. I love you too much to not say anything. To exhort, to encourage, to warn. We all have a part to play. We're not useless but useful. We have gifts to use, gifts to use, talents to offer. 
Ways in which we can serve and bless and build the church. Unveil further God's kingdom, right? And again, they're the most ordinary of things. Your time. Your time. Your testimony. Maybe it's your, your work expertise. You might think, how, how does my expertise, how can it bless and serve the church? Again, if you're an editor or you're a plumber or whatever it is, though all of those things can be used in the kingdom of God when we recognize that they're things that he wants to use to extend his love to others. The worker recognizes that I have gifts to offer for the service of others. For the service of others. These are not my things for my purposes, for my agenda, for my goals, for my dreams, for my future. These are things God has entrusted to me to be a blessing to others. He's entrusted them to me. I am not useless, but I'm useful. And so again, practically, what can I offer to the church? What does God want me to offer to the kingdom of God? To recognize what he's put in my hands. Okay? A couple of very just practical things. That room back there, that door, that brown door right over there, the last door, is full of children's stuff. And we need to empty that room because there were there was four inches of water in this space two weeks ago, two weeks ago. Um, and a lot of that stuff got wrecked. And if we don't move that stuff out of that room, then it's mold and then it's problems, Right? But if 10 of us decided we're going to take a Sunday after church or a Monday afternoon and we're going to empty out that room, you know who gets blessed? You do. You do. Because you recognize I'm just giving of my time, I'm fellowshipping with others, I'm using my talents, which is just time that I can offer to serve purposes. And you know who else gets blessed? Every single mom who shows up to get blessed by those resources. And you might think it's just... It's just a couple of hours. Exactly. Because it's not just Sunday morning. It's not just Thursday night. Right? It's, I'm offering my life to God. Uh-huh. I'm offering my life to God. And it's a few hours. Right? There's, there's a building fund that we are in the midst of. We need $400,000 to fix what's happening in this building. And for some of us, I, I think I probably said this a couple weeks ago or last week, like in, in this church, in our church, $400,000 is like, it feels like impossible. <laughs> it feels impossible. And God is like, exactly. What man thinks is impossible is not impossible for me. So here's what you have. Social capital. You have friends. Friends that can see that the work that's happening as moms show up in our space to get blessed by getting diapers and formula. People that show up on Monday, Tuesday, and Friday and get cell phones and get new IDs and get breakfast and get prayed over and encounter the love of Jesus. People who show up on Saturday and get tons and tons of groceries. People who show up in this space and get sent to detox. People that have radical encounters with the love of God as they show up in the door and people say, I'm not turning you away. I care about you too much. How can I help you? You have people in your life who will want to give towards that. You might think, I don't have much to offer. 
you have 500 Facebook friends. You have 500 Facebook friends. 200, 100, whatever it is, it doesn't even matter. 50. It doesn't matter. It's not zero. It's not zero. If you're on Facebook, you do not have zero friends. You have social capital. You can share the story of what God is doing at Recovery House. Right? You have your workplace, where you go to work every day. Right? You have your, you have your apartment. You have your block. Where is God inviting you to give of yourself to show the love of God through the gifts that he's given you to be a blessing? Change my place. My place. Lastly, this is the hardest part, right? So he recognized that he's inviting me to give all of my life. He's inviting me to recognize he's given me gifts. He's inviting me to change my character. Okay? The last part is changing my practices. Changing my practices. This is the hard work. And again, recognizing this work does not happen on our own. You cannot practice patience with yourself. The work has to happen with someone else. So you have to be around people long enough where you can actually practice patience, long-suffering, forgiveness, right? So just very practically, as I was thinking about this, this work, this last piece, changing our practices, right? And again, as a side, in the church we're in, this should not be surprising to us. If we're in recovery, we have practices. You have meetings, you have step work, you have sponsor. You have practices in place to move you into stability and strength and healing. If you commit yourself to the work of recovery, you recognize there are steps and practices that you have to put in place to see growth and change in your life. It's the same with God. When God is saying in verses 9 through 21, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. That takes practice. There are things we need to do. We need to hang around each other long enough where we can actually practice forgiving each other. But we live in a culture, right? You can't practice forgiving someone that you cancel. You can't practice forgiving someone that you cancel. It can't happen because you've canceled them. Now, I'm not saying you need to keep them in your life in the same way. There's wisdom in this. But you can't practice forgiving someone that you cancel. You can't practice patience if you don't show up. If you don't show up, if you don't participate. I can't share with folks if I'm not around. People can't help you if you're invisible. We have to do this together. This is why we need the local church. I can't benefit from the work if I'm not part of it. It's that simple. I can't benefit from the work that God wants to do in me by seeing these character things change if I'm not practicing being a participant 
in the church and in the kingdom of God. If we check out, we miss out. It's that simple. It's that simple. Practicing forgiveness, practicing patience, practicing showing honor, practicing conquering evil with good. And so recognizing just one practice, right? Because these are practices. And a teacher years ago told me this, right? It's very hard to stay angry at someone that you're praying for. It's very hard to stay angry at someone that you're praying for. How can we practice forgiveness and long-suffering and generosity and kindness towards someone that's driving us insane? I pray for them because my heart changes then. And then my attitude changes and then my ability to care for them changes. So far as it depends on me. Do things in such a way that everyone sees that you're honorable. Live at peace with everyone. Don't conquer evil. Do not let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. So this is the work. This is the work. God wants us to give all of ourselves to him every moment because his ways are better than our ways. He wants us to recognize he gives us gifts and talents and abilities and stories and all the things necessary to do the work he invites us in. And then he wants us to do practices, change practices, to participate in the life of the church, to be around each other long enough where we can practice forgiveness. What hope does the world have to see true forgiveness if we're not practicing it together in here? If we are quick to cancel each other in here, the world will never see forgiveness out there. That's the world we live in. We cancel each other. We dismiss each other. We're done with each other. But we overcome evil with good. With good. But like I said, just lastly, the gospel guards us and guides us in all of this. Remember. Remember I said it's the worker and the work, asterisk worker. Because I want us to remember, we are not primarily a worker. We are a child. Look again, verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, God doesn't love us because of how hard we work. God doesn't love us because of what we do or what we accomplish. God loves us because we trust in his son and then we are welcomed into his family. Full stop. And so my response to the work that Jesus has done is to join him in the work that he's doing. I am changed by his work. Look again. I plead you to give your your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. All he has done for you. He has saved us, he has changed us, he has redeemed us, he has forgiven us, he has offered us life and hope, he has given us mercy and grace, he has provided and provided and provided and protected and blessed, he has cared for us in in a number of ways, in view of all that God has done. Give yourself to him, give yourself to him. 
And so what in my life needs to change? What in my life needs to change? And how might participating in the life of the church be the change agent that God wants to use? It's participating in our life together that we are changed because we are forced to be different for one another in the strength that God provides. This is the work, and he invites the workers to be changed by his work as we join him in what he's doing. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for providing for us. Thank you for inviting us in. You don't need to invite us to do any of this. You can do it all by yourself. You invite us as your children to be a part of what you're doing. Your children. We are not workers. We are not servants. You call us friend. You call us friend. Children of yours invited in. You give gifts. You bless. You forgive. You change us and cleanse us so we can be better. So help us, Jesus to see the opportunities you are putting before us to be a part of what you're doing in and around us. We love you and thank you. We pray this all in your precious name.